Welcome to the GSN Leadership Moment Podcast. This is the podcast of Global SourceNet, where we hope to encourage you on your leadership journey as you continue to develop both personally and professionally. My name is Jonathan, and I'm the director of Global SourceNet, and we hope to develop leaders for every part of society who serve first, do no harm, love their neighbors, and live with integrity. And these are the things that we hope we can encourage you towards as you develop as a leader uh, on this podcast. And over the past several weeks, we've been going through the book Atomic Habits, which by the way, this book is available in Kazakh, Russian, and English. And we include in the show notes where you can uh, link to find where you can purchase that online here in Kazakhstan and get this incredible book and read through it in the language you're most comfortable reading in. Um, But we've been going through chapter by chapter, looking at chapter summaries, making comments about different parts of the chapter, and looking at some of the things that can help us trying to digest some of this information uh, from James Clear that he packs into this really great book. And just by way of review, we've gotten to the end of the four laws of behavior change section in the book, and we're now at the end of the book, but I wanted to go over those four laws of how to create a good habit and the four laws of how to break a bad habit. And I'm going to put a link as well in the show notes to show you where you can get a copy of this, what James Clear is calling a cheat sheet, but a, a basically an overview of all of these laws to make it easy for you to read through them. He has a link to where you can download that and I'll put that in the show notes. But let's go over the laws of how to create a good habit. The first law is make it obvious. The second law is make it attractive. The third law is make it easy. And the fourth law is make it satisfying. And next, the four laws of how to break a bad habit are First, make it invisible. Second, make it unattractive. Third, make it difficult. And finally, make it unsatisfying. So those are the laws of how to create a good habit and how to break a bad habit. Again, in the show notes, I will link over to where you can download a document that'll help you uh, have a quick reference for each of those things. Now let's jump into looking at the next chapter. We're on chapter 18, and there's only a few more chapters in the book. In this section of the book, James Clear is taking a look at what he calls advanced tactics how to go from being merely good to being truly great. And in this chapter, he's really going to dig deeper into how do we pursue excellence through our habits and developing good habits in whatever area that we are invested in, uh, in our, in our lives. And so he starts in chapter 18. The title of this chapter is the truth about talent when genes matter and when they don't. And that's Just by the way, for those who may be uh, not strong English speakers, we're not talking about genes as in uh, genes that you wear. We're talking about genes like genetic makeup, G-E-N-E-S, genes. So I know sometimes in English, there's so many words that sound the same, and sometimes it can be difficult to follow what's being said. So he's talking about genetic makeup in this chapter, and he begins the chapter talking about two different 
Olympic athletes. And the first is Michael Phelps, who's considered probably one of the best athletes or Olympic athletes um, in history. He has won so many gold medals uh, in the sport of swimming. And then he talks about another athlete uh, from Morocco named Hicham El Guerouge. And he was a, an athlete who ran. He ran the 1500 meter and the 2000 meter races. He's also run the 5000 meter races and he's a gold medalist in those races. Now, James Clear is trying to make his point about genetic makeup and he talks about and compares both of these guys. Now, Michael Phelps is a tall human being. He's about six foot four inches. And then though, on the other hand, he Chom uh, is a shorter athlete. He's probably about five foot nine inches and they both are differing weights. Michael Phelps is about 194 pounds and he Chom is about 130 something pounds, about 138 pounds. So, um, when you look at both of these athletes, their genetic makeup, the way that they're built, their bodies, um, Michael Phelps with his height, um, and then Hicham with his, he's shorter and lighter, um, make them suitable for their particular sports that they're competing in. So for example, um, Olympic swimmers are typically taller and have longer torsos like Michael Phelps. And then runners are typically, they have longer legs and shorter torsos and they're lighter and they're able to run longer distances more easily. And so he's drawing out this idea that they had some advantages when they started out in their particular area where they became particularly excellent in. Michael Phelps was swimming and he chomped in running. Now, what he's trying to say here is that if these two athletes swapped places, for example, Michael Phelps uh, decided he's going to be a runner now, and then Hicham decided to be a swimmer, they probably would not be as successful um, as they were because of the way their genetic makeup is, their height, their weight, um, and their abilities that go along with the the sport they've chosen because their bodies are more suitable for a particular kind of activity. And so they were excellent in those activities. It doesn't mean they didn't have to work hard, but it means they had a little bit of an advantage at the beginning. So, um, he, he goes on to talk about not that this is some kind of like biological determinism, because I don't think that that's helpful. And I think we're afraid of that kind of idea that somehow we're just biologically determined to do certain things. Because one thing that I've learned uh, over the years is that people always surprise, regardless of their genetic makeup, people that are committed and work hard at things uh, have developed the ability uh, to do well in their area that they've chosen to work hard in. So what he does bring up, um, uh, James Clear brings up this question on page 219. The obvious question is, how do I figure out where the odds are in my favor? How do I identify the opportunities and habits that are right for me? And so then we begin to look at personality and several other different things. So let's, though, before we get into some of the different pieces in this chapter, let's jump into the chapter summary, and that'll help guide us through this chapter. 
The first point on the chapter summary is that the secret to maximizing your odds of success is to choose the right field of competition. So he's really saying, where, where's the area where your personality, maybe your physical makeup, where you will most likely, where the odds are already in your favor to succeed and do well in, an area where you're already interested uh, in investing your time and your energy. The second point that he brings up in the chapter summary is to pick the right habit and progress. Oh, sorry. Let me rephrase that. Pick the right habit and progress is easy. Pick the wrong habit and life is a struggle, right? So again, he's, he's making that point. If, if we pick the right habit that fits with who we are, um, and we work hard at that and it comes easy, um, and we keep doing it over and over and we develop proficiency and expertise in that, uh, it's going to keep progressing on. But if we choose that wrong habit, um, life is going to be a struggle. The third point on the chapter summary is that genes, again, G-E-N-E-S, genes, cannot be easily changed, which means they provide a powerful advantage in favorable circumstances and a serious disadvantage in unfavorable circumstances. Okay, so he's saying again, our our genes, our genetic makeup um, can contribute or it can cause problems for the type the type of habits or the particular type of thing that we're trying to become excellent at and sometimes we need to pay attention to that and maybe make adjustments as needed Uh, the fourth point on the chapter summary is that habits are easier when they align with your natural abilities choose the habits that best suit you so he's talking about Yeah, finding those things that best suit you, like what you like to do. He says this on on page 223. Pick the right habit and progress is easy. Pick the wrong habit and life is a struggle. But how do you pick the right habit? The first step is something we covered in the third law, make it easy. In many cases, when people pick the wrong habit, it simply means they picked a habit that was too difficult. When a habit is easy, you're more likely to be successful. When you are successful, you're more likely to feel satisfied. However, there's another level to consider. In the long run, if you continue to advance and improve, any area can become challenging. At some point, you need to make sure you're playing the right game for your skill set. How do you figure that out? Okay, so then he talks about multiple ways to try to figure that out. How do you find what suits you best? And he talks about trial and error. Uh, first off, he's like, that's the easiest, but life is short. And so being able to do everything and try everything uh, is probably not going to be possible. So he suggests another alternative way. He suggests what he calls explore and exploit trade-off. So basically, Um, He explains that here in the following uh, paragraphs. He says this, After the initial period of exploration, shift your focus to the best solution you found, but keep experimenting occasionally. The proper balance depends on whether you're winning or losing. If you are currently winning, you exploit, exploit, exploit. If you're currently losing, you continue to explore, explore, explore. 
In the long run, it is probably most effective to work on the strategy that seems to deliver the best results about 80 to 90% of the time and keep exploring with the remaining 10 to 20%. And then he tells this about uh, something that Google did for their employees. He says, Google famously asked their employees to spend 80% of the work week Uh, on their official job and 20% on projects of their choice, which has led to the creation of blockbuster products like AdWords and Gmail. So again, um, he goes on to provide some other areas like how do we go exploring for different options? And he suggests several questions that we can ask ourselves. First, what feels like fun to me, but work to others, right? Um, so, So basically, if this is something that just naturally, I enjoy this, but others seem to be, uh, it seems to be a challenge to them. Maybe this is somewhere I need to explore more. What makes me lose track of time, right? What's that thing where you just kind of get quote, uh, in the zone, right? Like some athletes and performers are known to get in the zone and they just lose all track of time because it's just so enjoyable. They're doing a thing that just fits with who they are. Um, The next question he suggests is, where do I get greater returns than the average person? And finally, what comes naturally to me, right? So these are several different things that we can do to explore different options as we think about what is that thing that I really want to invest my time and energy in? Okay, let's jump in to the fifth point on the chapter summary, which says, play a game that favors your strengths. If you can't find a game that favors you, create one. So this is an interesting point that he makes here. And I want to read from you, uh, read to you from page uh, 225, where he explains what he means by this, uh, this whole idea, because I think this is one of the most profound thoughts that he has here in this chapter. So what he's saying is that if you can't find uh, a game where the odds are stacked in your favor, one that exists currently, he suggests creating a new one. And so here's what he says. When you can't win by being better, you can win by being different. By combining your skills, you reduce the level of competition, which makes it easier to stand out. You can shortcut the need for a genetic advantage or for years of practice by rewriting the rules. A good player works hard to win the game everyone else is playing. A great player creates a new game that favors their strengths and avoids their weaknesses. So he talks about just reinventing what it is where you want to put you and invest your time in. And that could mean taking the best of what you do possess, what kinds of strengths that you do have, combining them together and creating a new specialty, a new specialization even. He says this on page 226 as we come to the end. In college, I designed my own major and he says he calls this biomechanics, which was a combination of physics, chemistry, biology, and anatomy. I wasn't smart enough to stand out among the top physics or biology majors, so I created my own game. And because it suited me, I was only taking the courses I was interested in. Studying felt like less of a chore. It was also easier to avoid the trap of comparing myself to everyone else. After all, nobody else was taking the same combination of classes, so who could say if they were better or worse? So um, 
Yeah, he says specialization is a powerful way to overcome the, quote, accident of bad genetics. The more you master a specific skill, the harder it becomes for others to compete with you. So uh, he gives us one last example here. Many bodybuilders are stronger than the average arm wrestler, but even a massive bodybuilder may lose at arm wrestling because the arm wrestling champ has very specific strength. Even if you're not the most naturally gifted, you can often win by being the best in a very narrow category. So I think that's a really profound thought for us as we think about what is it where I can apply my time and really stand out. And I think for many of us, that will be creating a new path uh, to stand out on that will uh, actually contribute something very positive to society and uh, will help us employ all of our strengths um, to the best of our ability. Now, the final uh, point on this chapter summary is this, and I think it is a very important point in this chapter. Genes, again, G-E-N-E-S, right? Genetics. Genes do not eliminate the need for hard work. They clarify it. They tell us what to work hard on. So I want to just, let me end with these, with these last few words from this last part of the chapter where he says this on page 226 and 227. He says, our genes do not eliminate the need for hard work. They clarify it. They tell us what to work hard on. Once we realize our strengths, we know where to spend our time and energy. We know which types of opportunities to look for and which types of challenges to avoid. The better we understand our nature, the better our strategy can be. And finally, in summary, one of the best ways to ensure your habits remain satisfying over the long run is to pick behaviors that align with your personality and skills. Work hard on the things that come easy. So that's an interesting chapter. I, Before reading this chapter, I had not really thought about the intersection of genetic makeup and personality and how those things, how doing those things, uh, like putting more time into habits uh, that come more naturally and easier um, can be such a profound way to develop excellence in certain areas. And so uh, anyways, that is the end of this uh, podcast and the material we've got for today. And I hope some of these ideas may spark some interest in you as you think about how you're building good habits and breaking bad habits and developing excellence in some area in your life. And as you grow as a leader, these are good things to think about as we're trying to encourage other people around us, see the best in them and help encourage them to be the kind of people they can be. That's really what servant leaders do. They take into account the people around them and they look for ways to lift up others uh, as they also are progressing forward and developing themselves. So we hope you've enjoyed today's episode of the GSN Leadership Moment podcast, and we're glad you've chosen to join us today. And we look forward to catching you next time. Talk to you later.